The alternatives were to stay aloft and starve, or to land and perhaps survive. Once upon a time there was a sea. It was full of life. But the sea grew smaller and the life forms more numerous. There was the problem of overcrowding. Perhaps if any of the inhabitants had been capable of wonder, they would have turned their flat eyes upwards and asked themselves what it was like above the sky, beyond the shining barrier of the surface. There was plenty of room there. Eventually some of them found out the hard way what it was like. Stranded by the tide, they gassed their lives away along the shore. Dying, they left their outline in the mud, which dried and was compressed, and became rock. And a billion years later, and many more than a billion miles away, a man was studying the fossil shapes of some of those remote ancestors. The reflection seemed suddenly to telescope time and France Yuring gasped. He put out a shaking hand to turn off the projector, which cast microfilm images on the wall before him. For a long time after that he sat at the desk and listened to the sounds of the ship, identifying every one of those that seeped through the thick insulating walls of the office with an ease born of thirty-seven years of hearing them. He did not move except to breathe deep shuddering sighs until the buzzer on the door sounded. Then he roused himself to say, Come in. Tessa Lubova, his senior aide, slid the panel aside and stepped through with her habitual lithe grace. She carried the daily productivity reports, which she put on the desk before him. On the verge of going out again, she paused and stared at him curiously. What's the matter? she demanded. You look as white as paper. It's nothing, said Yering, getting stiffly to his feet. His voice had an irritable edge on it, which he tried to disguise. It was not good to be sharp with a trip born. Tessa shrugged with one shoulder, hesitated a moment, and left the room. Nice girl, thought Yering absently. Nicer than most of the trip born, anyway. Most of them would never have noticed. And if they had, they wouldn't have given a damn. But then she was one of the eldest. He tripped the switch of the melting panel on the wall. It could have been a picture or an observation screen or a mirror, according to the whim of the user. He selected the mirror setting and examined himself critically. Yes, no wonder Tessa had been startled. He forced himself consciously to relax and went back to the desk, glad of the work which he had just brought him. He had been trying to throw away time by studying the text film and had been unable to lose himself in it. No one in the ship now could get away from the tension which hung in the air like smoke. It had not been publicly announced that Trip's end was near. If anyone did know the exact time, it would be Sivachandra and possibly one or two of his navigation aides. But there were rumors. And how reliable is a rumor, he asked himself wryly. He knew as well as any of the earthborn aboard that the trip was estimated to take not less than thirty-six and not more than forty years. But he had been there when the estimate was made, and he knew how much of it depended on guesswork as well. He glanced through the summary on the top of the sheaf of papers and frowned. Taking up a red right stick, he entered the day's returns on the master ecological chart which occupied one full wall of the office. On it, Population was plotted against productivity. Two curves opposing and balancing each other 
averaged out from dozens of daily entries relating to air supply, vegetation, water reclamation. Sometimes he wondered how he kept track of it all. His frown remained as he mentally extended the current downward sweep of the productivity line. Either Trip's end was close, or we, he said to the air, are going to be on short rations in less than a month. That would be the sterile mutation in Culture B, he knew. It had been weighing the whole output down for days now. All the staff he had available was busy tracking down the mutated plasm. But it would take some time to eliminate it. And if one found more after that, one could never tell if it was descended from a previously altered strain or if it was a new series altogether. Hear this, said the voice of George Haddis, the ship administration officer, from the public address speaker under the multi-panel. There will be a captain's conference at fourteen.